I'm Natalie. I'm Emily. I'm Erica. And this is You You Made It, It, a Goggleworks podcast. You Made It is a podcast exploring the living histories of creative communities, makers, and the things that they make. In partnership with Pagoda City Records, we come to you from Goggleworks, one of the largest art centers in the country located in a former goggle factory in Reading, Pennsylvania. Be news anchors, mm-hmm. yeah. One day, one day, mm-hmm. we'll just turn dream. this show into a news show. Mm-hmm. We'll be on TV. <laughs> It'll be good. I think it's leading down that path. <laughs> I would say so. So there's a topic I've wanted to bring up with you two for a while now. Right. It's about collections, mm-hmm. and I was curious if there's anything you collect because I collect stickers. And I counted recently before the holidays. I was going through them, and I have almost 200 stickers. And I love Sticker. buying stickers, collecting stickers, getting new stickers, going somewhere, got to get a sticker. But then I don't do anything with it because it's so precious to me that I can't commit. Yeah, I can't commit. Thank you, Erica. <laughs> <laughs> I can't commit to putting it on something because, like, one day you might not have that water bottle or one day you might not have that book. So I don't really know what to do with these stickers. So I'm just wondering if you have any collections and if you know what to do with the stuff you collect. I do have a collection. I collect postcards. Mm. And I have a similar thing where I'm, I mean, it's a little different because there's not anything to put a postcard on, right? But I, I've been trying for a very long time to figure out how I want to display them because I also have quite a few. Some of them are pretty, like, cheesy because I started collecting them when I was a young child. So they're just, like, not ones I want to hang up in my house. But I have been trying to figure it out. Right now they're in a shoebox. Mm. <laughs> so, you could frame them I could frame them but that's it's just like an endeavor that I need to just like mm-hmm. commit to right. so it's a good point yeah but yeah I don't know it's a tricky one uh, worms uh, yeah worms <laughs> I collect worms bugs sticks no <laughs> um, when you said collections I was kind of just went straight to artworks and honestly mm. for years I've been collecting like black white and gray artworks and have decorated my living room according to these artworks so maybe one day I'll show you a photo of my salon-style wall of black yeah. and white artworks. Very cool. But back to your stickers. Are you accepting donations? Yeah. Okay. Expect an influx of stickers. <gasps> oh, perhaps. my gosh. I'm so excited. <laughs> they go into a little sleeve, and then they're kept on a shelf in a closet. But they're very nice. Well, I was going to say, you know how, like, back in the day, people would collect Pokemon cards or, like, mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and they had those books mm-hmm. with, like, the paper inside that you could, like, put the cards in so mm-hmm. you could see them all front like and back? Baseball cards, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you need something like that. Maybe you need something like that. Maybe I do need something like that, a book instead of hanging them out. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, a scrapbook, like a photo book, but for... Stickers and or postcards. Yeah. I do have one for postcards. I really like paper, so I have stuff like that. Yeah. But the thing with stickers is they're all different sizes. Mm. So OMG. Mm. I see. But I also see. YOLO. Yeah. So true. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken <laughs> than you only live once. <laughs> 2024 goals, guys. I'm going to be using my stickers. 
that phrase meant so much to me as a teenager that I had a grotesque <laughs> green, lime green penny that I purchased at the beach. One of them, I don't know, Ocean City something or other. And it said YOLO on it mm. in very big letters, acronym and spelled out. Wow. And I did wear it. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, you only live once. It's, I mean, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Embodied it. Yeah. <laughs> in my lime green penny. Well, today, our guest is someone who also embodies the spirit of you only live once. (laughs) So true. (laughs) She is one of the OG Goggleworks studio artists. She's a painter, most commonly known for her food paintings, and one of the driving forces behind Studio B, a gallery in Boyertown. She's a graphic designer by trade and a lover of camping, bikes, beers, and her dog, Pippa. Welcome to the studio here, Pagoda City, Sue Beebeck. Thanks for having Sue, me. You made it. You made it. Made it. <laughs> <laughs> <Woohoo>. Finally. <laughs> Just a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, in my little research of you, slash knowing you a little bit, I know you are from the Hershey area and wanted to know since you're so into painting, is that the first medium that you got into? And kind of how did you get into art? So when I was small, uh, my mother really liked sleep and my father and my brother would get up. My earlier memories are that my dad left for work. He worked in D.C. We lived in Frederick, Maryland, and my brother would go to, you know, probably preschool. And she would put him on a bus and my dad would go off to work and then she would go back to bed and she would say, you can't go out of your room. So I got into collecting pens of different colors around the house and different kinds of paper, and I would make art. And when then, when she would wake up, I would show her, and she was just like, oh, my goodness, that looks like our house, or that looks like the dog, or whatever. And so there was positive reinforcement, and that's how it kind of began. So you're using these pens you collected. You're using your collection. <laughs> that is inspiration to What me. a good lesson. <laughs> Right. I didn't realize that. <laughs> right. So when did you guys move to Hershey then? Um, in 1977, in October, we moved to Hershey. And in 78, Three Mile Island happened. And so that's my mark, like, for why we moved there. But my father mm. worked at AT&T, and he moved, he transferred from D.C. to Harrisburg. And that's how we ended up in Hershey. Huh. So I was, um, like, 14. Okay. So then... Did you get a job at Hershey Park? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes, that year. <laughs> I found out that they were, you know, um, they would have these forums to hire people and you would go to this massive, like the stadium and just walk around and talk to people and they would ask if you had any skills and somehow I got into the people painting part of Hershey Park, which is still going strong. So and you would just like paint tattoos on people and... It, they just had one little stand in the beginning, but now it's massive, and they go to different places, and it's huge. But since I was 14, I got nothing out of it. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, like, literally painting on people's skin. Yeah, like, like with face acrylic. Painter or Anything like whatever. they would ask. We yeah. had, like, a—we uh, would come up with ideas and put them on this, like, example board, but people would come up and go, can I get a Harley on my chest? And, you know, you were working through the hair and, all, you know, whatever. <laughs> $5, you oh know. Oh, my gosh. At Hershey Park, mm. of all places. And then we eventually, you know, at Hershey Park at 14, 15, 16, 
that was a huge dating pool of the entire, you know, that was like camp for me. And somebody I liked was in what they called the craft barn. And uh, he was doing um, caricature painting. And I got into the pastel portraits, which you would do like a profile for $25 and then the full on for like 100 the front. Because it's much wow. more difficult. But the profile was very easy and, you know, but it, was, it would take less than half hour. You know, you would just sit outside under an umbrella and work it. <laughs> what was like the interview for this? You have to like <laughs> practice. Well, I mean, once I got into the one, they realized I had some abilities. And I worked in like different segments all over the craft area and the art area in Hershey Park. And then I just, you know, they didn't really pay you well, so I didn't stick with it. You know, I ended up waitressing eventually, so (laughs) to get real money. (laughs) They were allowed to pay you less than minimum wage because they provided like your uniform and they washed it. And you got a locker. Yeah. And that was back in like whatever, 78, 78. The more you know. I'm sure it's better now, but I don't know. It was better. There were other jobs. You could just be like a sweeperette where you just went around and back then cigarette was everywhere and people had to just clean them up all the time. Or you would like push rides, you know, ride a ride or wear a costume, which was probably the worst because they were hot, you know, yeah, a big Hershey kiss or a chocolate bar. (laughs) There's all kinds of stuff. But I was always next to like the, um, the stages. So... Like everybody who worked at the Renaissance Fair or at the Fulton Opera House or the Ephrata Theater were working at Hershey Park as well. So that whole crew of people were mixed in with the arts people. So that was like a flow of, you know, the same thing we have here. A lot of different arts together, you know, it felt like family with them. So that's cool. Did you get to overhear the shows too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They would play seven times a day, the same exact, you know. I don't know if, like, big names are coming through. Like, now they have that big <laughs> no, stage. No, 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 no. Uh, they were, like, actors, local actors doing, you know, the same. Like a like, puppet show. No, no. Oh. They they did, um, I want to live in America. <laughs> like, I mean, but we knew the whole set. And, you know, you worked your brain through it while you were talking to people. You know, whatever. <clears throat> they would just play different popular yeah. things. Yeah. In the park, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dance things. So would you say this job of yours that you had in Hershey Park, was that the start of your art career or was there another moment in your life that maybe sticks out a little better? I don't know. Well, I had an aunt, I mean, still have her, but um, who worked in advertising in Philadelphia and she was kind enough to take me as I was thinking about college to see the graphics or, you know, just the commercial field at a pharmaceutical company that she worked for. And so I got to spend a few days with her and and see the beginning to the end of a project. And I realized that was an avenue for me. I mean, my parents did not want me to do art. They wanted, my dad wanted me to be a nurse, you know, which I knew I would kill someone, so I just could not do <laughs> <laughs> No, because that's so real. Like, I feel like that's so real for so many people. Like, yeah. I also could never be in anything medically related. Yeah. <laughs> so scary yeah. thank you for saying that anyway yeah, it's true <laughs> so you went to Kutztown for graphic design and illustration no, no, no. I didn't go to school for graphic well okay <laughs> I did sort of um I went to hack Harrisburg Area Community College because I was putting myself through and when I was there uh I found an article or you know one ad for a paste-up artist and I worked at that at a newspaper in Middletown for like, like three years as a paste-up artist. And then they got a Macintosh on their 
Like, they got delivered to a lot of places in 84, 85. I think it was, like, 85. And it sat for, like, three months, and nobody would open it. And I finally just begged to let me look at it. And I took the manual home, which, in the beginning, the Macintosh had a little manual that kind of gave basic examples of how the softwares interacted with the user. And so... I just went home and read it for an afternoon, came back the next day, took the box out and started using it. And everyone was terrified that it wasn't going to work the way the copy graphics back then worked and everything. So it was hard to convince people to let me use it and, and apply it to what we were doing, which was designing advertisements. But eventually, uh, Gavin and I got together and we went off to Texas together and I used it everywhere we went from that point forward because it was so new that, you know, it was hard to find people to use the computer that they had. So you were just jumping in. Yeah. I just moved around the country with him and did that. When you say paste up art, is that like freelance? No, no. I worked for the Middletown Press and Journal at the beginning. Essentially, um, paste up was you literally would photographically uh, project some either text or an image or whatever. And then you would run it through this after you processed it, you would run it through a, literally a wax machine and stick them all together. I'm not kidding. It was literally pasted together. And then you would paste it into the shape of a newspaper, exactly what you read. Mm, like laying it out. It's a layout. I was gotcha, a layout artist. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Different term for, yeah. V- eventually became desktop publisher. You know, it's just like the whole, they, there were different names, projection artist, designer, whatever. They were all the same thing. It was, it was an ever evolving field. And then I had a child, and, and it was just too interruptive for me to do both. You know, you couldn't do them both at the same time. So that's how you get out of that. And I <laughs> went back to school during that. Before I had her, I went back for fine art instead because I just hated the advertising field pretty much. So you're back in PA at that time? By then, we bought our house in um, Boyertown area. And um, I realized Kutztown was like 15 miles away, so I had applied over there and went for studio art. Mm. Yeah. But was watching them try to develop their their computer design field, and it was amusing because it wasn't applying to real life. And I was just watching that while it was happening. And But it was a long time till they caught each other up, you know. And in the meantime, I got to do all kinds of studio art projects. And, and then a professor came to me at... Um, Kutztown and said, Anna Coe and Matthew Dobbo said to me, oh, there's this thing happening in Reading and Boscov bought this building and blah, blah, blah. And they gave my name to Barbara Toon or somebody. And next thing I know, someone called and here I am. <laughs> did you get the hard hat tour? I did. Uh, did you? <laughs> yeah, and the shoes, to- closed-toed shoes. <laughs> not, wearing today. not rocking those today. <laughs> But it was interesting. We got to go around and pick our studios and there was just tape on the floor. And then we came back like three months later and then there were some pretend walls up. And and then next thing you know, we were moving in. And I remember, you know, the governor was coming and we had a big opening and it was really amazing. It was a huge deal. Got to meet Ed Rendell a couple times back then and other people would come through, famous people. So, yeah, it was neat in the beginning. Is um, When you went to Kutztown, is that the time when you got more? So if you're there for fine art, you're getting more into painting and drawing and things like that? Or Well, a lot of people, mediums? like my family said, like, you don't have to go to school for art because you should do it on the weekends and, you know, whatever. But um, 
because you already can paint and draw and whatever. And that's great if you can technically reproduce something, but you need a voice and an idea and uh, like kind of to find your way. And I think what going to any school that is specific for art does is it helps you find your way and see other people who have found their way and figure out what you want to do, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm still not sure. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I really think that it's just an evolving thing. As long as you're enjoying what you're doing, it doesn't really matter. And I, I told you when you asked me to do this, I have not really produced very much work this year because I've been on another quest, but um, I'm putting myself in place to be amongst art people and do like the sort of thing that you need to do to get to where you want to start creating a whole lot of work again. So, because I think it comes in waves. But I used to be like a daily, had to, every morning sort of thing. But I'm on, I'm kind of off that right now. Hmm. I'm doing other things, so. <laughs> There's still, I still have the gallery and whatever. Yeah. Constantly. We have to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so the next thing at the gallery is um, our annual celebration of the earth. And we're calling it Earth, capital A-R-T, lowercase h, you know, sort of thing, E-A-R-T-H. But, mm-hmm. you know, art's in there because they say, I'm sorry to say it, Earth with Earth without art is eh. <laughs> so sure. anyway, it's called Earth and Climate this time. And uh, so that's out. And it's the intake for artists is, um, you know, the, probably it's going to be after I get this gets aired. But yeah. it's, you know end of January and the opening's the end of January. And um, our juror is somebody who, I, after I asked him, I realized I met him at Kutztown. But, you know, mm. <laughs> it was funny. I said, his name is Ryan Fretz. And I said, oh, my gosh, you're the person who I think of as the Andy Goldsworthy of this area where he, like, builds walls with stone and everything. And um, so, and then I started talking to him and his uh, persona sort of, reminded me of this person from Kutztown that I had ceramics class with. So I came back at him a few minutes later and said, did you take Jim Cheney for ceramics at Kutztown? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, do you remember this woman who had this little blonde child, little girl followed you around in the ceramics department? He goes, yeah, <laughs> did you know her? And, you know, I'm like, it was me. <laughs> I'm sure I look nothing like it either, you know. But anyway, that was, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Come here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's jurying that show, wow, the Earth and so Climate cool. show for us. Yeah, circle. Yeah. So I'm excited to have him there. So. Wait, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask. Um, so um, when you have juried shows or theme shows, is it open to, let's say, the nation or the area or just Boyertown Town We will take anyone. Anyone and everyone? And I, I have a really strong rule that we don't jury people out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I feel like if you call yourself an artist and you've made some piece of work, I don't care what it is, and you pay the entry fee, you should get to exhibit because I think, you know, tastes very widely. And usually when people go, oh, my God, I can't believe that got in. That's the first piece to sell. (laughs) It never ends, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just think people should be honored for their attempt to be an artist. And if you make a piece of art, you're an artist. So we exhibit anybody. and uh, But our jurors are for awards. Mm-hmm. And we usually find, you know, we have a lot of nice people in Boyertown and some outside of town who are happy enough to sponsor the awards, different businesses and whatever. So it's different every time. But a lot of people want to be quiet about it. But, yeah, we, we do get some nice award people. So 
Well, patrons, you know. Yeah. Anyway. I feel like we have to back up a little bit to the inception of Studio B because you and Jane Stahl are the driving forces of creating this gallery in a place where there wasn't really any art in town. Um, and you were both looking for a place locally that like served the art love that you had and created this gallery that was in 2009 is when it started? 2008. 2008. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there was another artist here. Yeah, there was another artist here that was also from Boyertown, and she wanted to talk about, you know, getting together and doing something. And I was like, you know, there should really be a gallery there because they did have, Jane was running something called the Arts and Activities Alliance. And um, it was really just people who would get together and talk about what things they could do to make it some art things happen in Boyertown. And sometimes it would be, I mean, I ran a lot of those things. Like we did a plein air in conjunction with the international plein air thing that happens all in one day all over the world. And we did, we've had little shows, plein air shows in town where people could come. And again, we would have, you know, a juror and somebody would win money and that sort of stuff was happening in the beginning. But, you know, that was it. That was, it was real small and infrequent. And, Uh, Jane is what I call the mama bear. So she has been running the Bear Fever Project for years. Um, She was a teacher at Boyertown High School, and that bear is their mascot. And she went somewhere like to Chicago and saw the cow parade or whatever and thought we needed that in Boyertown. So there's like 100 bears around town. I don't know how many, but a lot. And some transcend town. People have come and bought them. But she found a way to, like, she met a lot of artists getting those done. So we had a lot in common because we knew some of the same people. And um, she was running that Arts and Activities Alliance, and I kept seeing her at that. And then this artist that was here, um, like, realized it was a lot of work to have the gallery and pulled out. And Jane literally heard about it immediately and came to me that day. And that became how we got to work together on that. She came and offered her services. She thought just for a short period of time, but <laughs> we are in our 16th year. Wow. Which blows my mind. So wow. so did they have the space before you were involved with it? No. That was I, something. I chose the space. Oh, cool. Yeah, and, and there were tons of spaces in town at the time because, I, like I said in another podcast, I was in, like, the Walmart had arrived and it took every business out, of, out mm. you know, there were all these things, and we had the super Walmart in Bechtelsville very close by. So it was just like the, all the little tiny businesses went away, and all these buildings sat empty. But at the time, um, the Main Street program started all across the country, and people were getting federal funding to start Main Street programs to reinvigorate different small towns. And we had one of those and um, the president of that, who at the time was Charles Haddad, was really interested in seeing it happen. So he was really helpful helping us get going and stuff. Um, and then when the other person pulled out, Jane came in. And I was like, I th- was already thinking that you should make this the home of your your Bear Fever and your Activities Alliance. Why don't you just put that here? Because we didn't really have another space in town for art. So it worked out. And I wanted it to be a community-run thing because I was already here doing, you know, a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, I can't sit the studio. So that's the one thing. And she's happy to do that and find people to do it. She knows everyone in town because they've all been a student or a parent of hers. (laughs) Yeah, so... 
I can't go to lunch with her. It's just very difficult. <laughs> Everyone's talking to her. <laughs> Mister. <laughs> so I'm like, we have to go out of town. <laughs> you say you haven't really been working on anything last year, but that is not true because you completed one of those Boyertown Bears. I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> For the Firefly, which is the heavily attracting people to town too, is the Firefly vegan restaurant and market. Um, they have amazing chef and, um, you know, it's this nice couple, Lori Ann Wade and her husband, and they basically, um, are attracting more people to town probably than we are because it's fully vegan. In the beginning they had cheese. I remember they were like occasionally throwing in cheese into like their vegan burgers, which I love a good bean burger. And I used to be completely vegetarian, but cheese. And so now, <laughs> then she started oh, selling the raw, they call it raw, raw works or something like that. But it's fermented nut cheese and it's delicious and it tastes just as not if better. You know, it's made from cashews or whatever and it's really good. So I, you know, started eating there and I love it. And anyway, she knows I'm a food artist and I guess somehow came up with the plan. So I did do that last year. Yeah. And the bear has like an apron of food. Mm-hmm. There's food painted all over the bay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, take a little yeah. field trip of Firefly. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. 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 yeah, And 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 you, I mean, they're really great for lunch. And I think they're like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday place. But it's a great coffee breakfast place. But they post what they're gonna make every day, and mm. it's really good food. It's delicious, wholesome. You know, usually locally f- sourced produce and stuff. It's a very good place. So. I would go there. I love me a good vegan restaurant. I have to say, I think there's not enough like anywhere really. And like sometimes I feel like they either do really well because there aren't a lot of places that Mm -hmm. offer full vegan options or they just flop because they don't have that clientele. So I hope they survive. Yeah. Berks County is big on ring bologna, Mm. Berks hot dogs. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know (laughs) if this is technically the best. Well, I think that makes sense. Yeah, more than one year, uh, Veg, the vegan restaurant in Philly, has been the top restaurant in Philadelphia. Oh. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. It's 100% vegetarian, vegan. So, good news for us. So, one day, one day, maybe. (laughs) I can see how that's a difficulty here, though. But speaking of food paintings, um, I have seen your work in like cafes like Sweet Street. Obviously, the work is here at Goggle Works. Are there any other restaurants or places that have featured um, the paintings you've done? So when I first got to Goggle Works, there was some sort of a fundraiser at Canal Street. And my husband was involved in it. And then he came over here and hung out in my studio. And I used to have two chairs in my studio. There was always someone in there talking to me about problems or having a good time. (laughs) And (laughs) so uh, at some point, Judy from Judy Henry from Judy's on Cherry came in and she's like, I should let you put paintings in my, (laughs) and then I came over and she goes, I just don't know where to go with it. And that's how that little gallery sort of started. I said, well, I want to use this little foyer entry area and it just turned into something. And so I've done that a couple times with her, but yeah, I'm not really big about showing in restaurants because okay. um, I think people feel like it's been there, you know, or they're not thinking, they're not in the mindset to buy work when they're there. Sure. Yeah. I have yeah. sold a couple pieces through her, but yeah, not a big deal. That makes sense. Yeah. Especially if yeah. you're at Judy's, you're there for the bread. Exactly. You're that there bread. for the whatever she's <laughs> the cooking. The butternut this. squash yeah. soup is her thing. Yeah. With crab in it. It's yeah. good. So good. I'm hungry. I shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> But yeah, do you have any like particular, like, 
do you ever have like a really good meal and you're like, oh, I have to paint this? Or is it just things that you kind of experience? So throughout? when I say I haven't made any work, I haven't finished anything. But like at home, I probably have like 30 pieces and they're all from this year's meals. But like I have some oysters and I every time I open up a can of sardines, it's another one. I swear they all look different, you know, <laughs> and I did a lot of um, anchovy and sardine research and they're all just tiny fish there are no specific fish you know which I always thought they were but anyway um you know things like that like I just get encouraged by whatever the plate is but sometimes they don't turn out so well like really one of the uglier things to paint is like a pretzel because it's just this brown and white flux (laughs) to really work on the background or you know what am I gonna put flowers in it (laughs) anyway yeah, so things like that. But, you know, it's hard to find something with good contrast and sure. nice shadow and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't really matter what it is. I believe that the content lends itself to form and color and it can the more abstract it looks, the better. Sure. So at Studio B, it's more than just a gallery space, right? Like there's places where people are going to do workshops and have classes and things like that. We have a classroom. We have a classroom. And um, like our newest instructor – is Mina Aparty, who is from Philadelphia. And um, she has a place called the Craft Warehouse in Philly. And she teaches what we call PMC back in the day, but it's called, it's which stands for precious metal clay, but it's silver clay now or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's because it used to be owned by one company and now they sold it to different art stores. But it's basically you can form it into anything. And then when you fire it, the clay falls away and it's just the silver. So you can make anything with it. And she's teaching that at Studio B in the beginning of February doing a, I think it's February 6th, a class for Valentine's Day. If mm. people want to take one with them, you know, as a date mm-hmm. and make something for the gift or whatever, you know, that's the thought. I wanted to ask if you are teaching any classes I'm at Studio not, B. No? No, I I usually do painting with pints, but we stopped doing it at Studio B because I have a little schedule at, at different pubs around and I haven't done one for a while because we're back in that weird COVID again thing. But um, yeah, so like three times a year, I'll go to different pubs and do like a paint, paint with pints, I call it. So <laughs> yeah, which I originally started that to get other artists to come in and paint with me because I like the camaraderie of art class. And then these women would come in they'd be like come on show us how to do something and I'm like you're supposed to come up with your own thing you're just an artist coming into work because it was five dollars to come to this class you know and then it was this big thing at studio b and then somehow it just turned into a class and then i heard these people talking about painting with a twist and whatever they had these different company names where they were doing this similar thing but they were actually teaching the class and i'm like okay i can do a formulaic painting i'll just do it and that's what we do but i usually try to come up with something completely nothing i've seen before which is easy, you know, <laughs> you know, so, or I'll go around like Oli and take a scene and see if people know which form it is or whatever, stuff like that. So I've been doing that. I enjoy that a lot because, you know, it's just relaxed. And and I'm surprised at the artists that show up to it because it'll be like three moms out from their baby night and like a couple, and then there'll be like four artists who I know have come to take the class with me. And like, I just love it, you know, so... <laughs> You get all kinds of range, and it's the picture at the end, you know, yeah. like 20 people in you with the painting. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like you yeah. And I have one the next one is. I want to do that. <laughs> Sue, you strike me as the type of person that really grabs life by the horns 
I'm curious, what's a typical day in Sue B. Beck's life? Like, what time are you getting up? What time? What are you having for breakfast? Like, walk us through a random Thursday. A Thursday. Yeah, a Thursday. <laughs> Specifically Makes a Thursday. A yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I get up much earlier than the rest of the world. Um, it's usually 5, 5.15 a.m., and um, I creep around the house and put things like I have to make peace for myself and like undo the things everyone else did in the house <laughs> back to normal. And then once I get there, I can sit down at my desk and I either complete something for the gallery or I paint. And that's where I make all my work in that first few hours of the day. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, next thing you know, there's an appointment or I have to be somewhere, or you know, and then. Um, I don't actually normally eat until after five o'clock. Yeah, you're not eating all day. Okay, just coffee. Oh, oh my or god, or water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And except on Thursdays when I see certain people at the Goggle Works. But yeah, I mean, there's a little party on Thursdays sometimes we like to go to, and that starts around four, so I'm an hour <laughs> early. <laughs> on your eating schedule. <laughs> and whatever you people bring, I'll hoover. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's early. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So Crackers. there's that, but yeah. What's your coffee order? It's black. Okay. Right. Sometimes I ask for two ice cubes because I think some places make it so hot you can't really drink it. And I think <laughs> the whole reason for years I put milk in was to cool it. So last year you also did something pretty interesting where your husband biked across oh, yeah. the U.S. and Canada and you followed him. In your van. I supported. For- I didn't quite follow. But yeah. Okay. He followed you. <laughs> no, no. So there's no following. So basically, he does something called randoneering, which is a, 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 a really long bike ride. And uh, it's a French run um, kind of organization. And it's what became the Tour de France, the long ride. But the Tour de France is a race and this isn't. It's not a race. But my husband always comes home and says, it wasn't a race, but I won. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, and he's made some really dear friends through this. He's been doing it for like 15 years. And um, for a while, I like I did buy a Vespa when I turned like 50 so that I could follow him. And I was just so bored on the Vespa because you're not pedaling or anything. And you're just like your hands get cold and it gets boring. So I stopped. But um Essentially, and I think the noise of the Vespa was really too much, but, you know, essentially he does this thing like once a month he has to do 125 miles. And then as the summer builds up, it goes from um, 200 kilometers, which is what that is, to 400. And then they do like something called a flesh, which is a 24-hour ride. Then they do the end thing, which is 1,200 kilometers 875 miles, and it's somewhere in the world because they do it all over the world, different places. Each country has one, but uh, he's done one in Ireland, and he did Alaska. Like, you know, I was trying to get him to do New Zealand because it's so many different climates. But anyway, so he's he did that this year. He just he turned 60, and he wanted to do the whole United States, and uh, he did it with his best buddy from that crew, and. Um, so myself and a girlfriend rode from here out in the van to get in place for the start of the ride, which was, um, Seaside Beach, I think it's called, or Beachside, Beachside in Oregon, outside of Portland. And 
then we told them we would see them for breakfast in two days. <laughs> and then we went around and did things outside of there in Portland and stuff. And then met them at breakfast in one of our favorite places. And then I saw them again, like, I took her to the airport and picked up another person who used to be an artist here. And she stayed with me for a couple weeks. And then essentially I was by myself for the last two weeks, which was great by then. Because I was really afraid to go on my own in the beginning and just like try to find a place to put park the van and not get like a cop knocking on the door while you're <laughs> sleeping sort of thing happen. And it was great because it was a good inoculation to go with a friend and find the places and do the things. And now I'm good at it. So... And we came back and he did it in 31 days and he ended somewhere on Long Island. I can't remember the name of the town, but yeah, it's a blur. Wow. But it was fun. <laughs> and then, you know, we did get to see the entire country of parts I wouldn't have gone to, North Dakota and stuff. We went up to Canada, came back down across the Rainbow Bridge and, you know, it was a really amazing time. Yeah, what a great way to travel. Do you travel outside of this or is this kind of like your main? I do like to travel. travel a yeah. Lot. Yeah. We're going to Charleston next in the van. Oh, I was just there. Oh, you yeah. should have told me. I have family there. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was uh, in October of last year, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, it was fun. I loved it there. It's beautiful. Yeah. A lot of restaurants. Yeah. But it's it's a fun time to be in the van, but I also like to go once a year to some amazing place or whatever. And I have put that off for a couple of years. So I've been doing other questy things. But yeah. Mm. So I, I am. I don't know. I've, I think Norway is next on my list. Mm -hmm. so. What's your number one sightseeing thing? Like, are mm. you more of like a, like go to a monument type location, so a, landmark, or like, are you more food driven or museum? All that. So, <laughs> all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> Usually like my husband and I make beer. We have been making beer since 1986 and um, more sporadic now. Just more drinking now and less making. But essentially, <laughs> we like to go to different breweries and try different mm. things. But um, back in the day, when we first got into it, it was such a new thing. Um, and we would travel and go somewhere and see, like, a new brewery. And then we would – I remember just going Pacific Northwest a lot because he had a client out there. And we would go and be like, oh, my God, why are there five coffee shops on four corners? How can they make money? But it was, you know, Starbucks, Pikes, and all those things were just starting. And – and you would go to a brewery and then hit a Starbucks and then you were all hyped up from the coffee. So you'd have to go to another brewery and have dinner. <laughs> and we usually would find a place to stay and then go the next morning and like, all right, we had four beers yesterday. So we have to hike at least four miles. And so we would go find some amazing mountain and hike it and then be back and go to like a museum for me and do some art stuff. And then we would have to find another Back then, we didn't have Airbnb, but we would do bed and breakfasts. We had a book we used to follow around, you know. And we still do that virtually now. I'm a big Airbnb fan and, you know, the travel. So It's a pretty cool routine. Yeah, that's yeah. the way to go. Yeah. I like that. So, And I also have this, I haven't done it since COVID, but <sighs> Diane LaBelle, who first was the executive director here, came to me one day and said, these people want to do an exchange and it's, the sister city of Reading, and it's called Reutlingen, and I don't think that's how you say it still, but essentially it's a very similar town, and the person who started the newspaper here was from there, the Reading Eagle, which, um, anyway, so I ended up getting in touch, and that was 2010, 
with the people over there. And it, we did it every year, swap back and forth. So I got to go there a lot and it was fun and take artists from here. And then we would house them here and they would have a show at Goggle Works or any other gallery that we could get to like support the, the exchange. So that was fun too. That's I got cool. to see Europe and the real way of the amazing life they all have there is so much, I don't know how to explain it, but the public transportation is amazing and the food is better. <laughs> it's hard to explain, but, you know, it's, it's a great place. It's great. It's great to go to Europe or wherever else. We went to Austria, Suzanne and I together and did a whole exchange in Germany and then went over to Austria. Like we would always take a week extra and go. And Laura Lynn, who is from here as well, we did one too. And that was a plein air one, plein air exchange. Hmm. So you were taking work from artists here to display over there too as part of it? We would no? take the artists with their work. Gotcha. Okay. But in the beginning, it was just like a, uh, we would send paperworks back and forth. We did that for a while. And then eventually we, they have this huge, like they have a whole department in each city, a cultural exchange thing where they bring people from different places around the world and they pay for you to stay in housing in their like local college apartments or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was great. I mean, they, I wish we had that here, you know, Yeah. but anyway, it, it's pretty amazing. So you get to do all that because they have a cultural exchange. Really? That's how we got into it. I wish it would start again, but it ha- since COVID, it hasn't really happened for us. Mm-hmm. So no. the German exchange kids are coming back through the high school. Oh. Yeah, I think the student exchange is strong, but I think the different because there was um there was a guy running a music exchange. I was the art. Oh. There was a sports one. You know, like there were different different avenues. Yeah, but these were like adults, not kids. So it was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, bring it back. I want to go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can see it. Sounds fun. Get my German roots. Yeah, <laughs> you could drum your way across. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, it's time (laughs) with that. It's time for our closing segment of Gone Fishing, Keeping It Real. We have our fish bowl. I'm going to swish it again. I swished it last episode, too. Like the ASMR of it all is kind of nice. You can pick your little prompt out of the fish bowl. Now you'll want to paint more fishes. We'll see. (laughs) You get to read it. And then we'll answer. See what's going on. If you could switch lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and what would you do? Oh. Whoa. I really wish I would have gone into interior design. I really, really do. I think I should have, you know, just stuck with that. My mother did decorating. They didn't really have interior design where she was. So she did decorating. And we lived in Maryland and around a lot of homes. And she was doing everyone's home. And it was like, I think that's, and my daughter's pretty much on her own avenue of that. So I think that's really what I was supposed to do, you know. So that's where I would go. I mean, is it supposed to be a person's name? Well, it could just be an interior designer. It's up to you. There you go. <laughs> I like that, keeping it broad. I'm always blown away when someone, one of them, like, does an amazing painting along with the installation of the entire house, you know. I'm like, <sighs> What do you guys think? Who would you switch, switch lives with? Is it, like, for one day or? I think, is that what it says, for one day? Or is it like no, life? it's just lives. Oh, <laughs> whole oh, life. Because no. <laughs> I just want to like experience another lifestyle. You know, I don't know if I want to commit to it, but totally. more so like homesteading Amish lifestyle. Just want to like okay. 
experience that yeah. and then go back to my sure. life that I'd really like. Sure. <laughs> I like to be allowed. We can nice. we can we can do house rules on this question. Cool, yeah, cool. Whatever you want. <laughs> what are you thinking? I want to be a surfer and like oh. live in Hawaii and just surf all day. That sounds fun. Yeah, that sounds more fun than churning butter. <laughs> I still can't believe that's Dang. your choice. Oh, I'm so bad at these on the spot. Uh, no, I, I like know. It, I, I like always it. am thinking about the questions later. Yeah. I'm like, wow, yes, yeah. Yes. Um, I feel like I said this before, but I would want to be like a Michelin, like a five star rated chef. Like that's a good one somewhere. Yeah. Um, cause I like to cook, but I often like the last time I've cooked a couple times, like I've cut myself or like things, bad things have happened. And I feel mm-hmm. like I need more training. Mm-hmm. So I just already have it. <laughs> I just already know what to do. Or, and, or no, not, or, and I would want to be a chef and like a sculptor or something like mm-hmm. do both. That would be my lifestyle. So whoever that is, I want to be that person. Yeah. I do you have a famous answer. sculptor that you follow there? No. I don't know a lot of, no, I don't. I don't know a lot of like 3D artists. That's something I'm trying to. At Kutztown, Phoebe hates. Adams, the professor, was really big into, you would get in there and think you're just going to make sculpture in her class. And her very first thing was, you're going to be writing a report and you're going to be talking in front of everyone. And it's going to be about one famous three-dimensional artist. Ah. And that was so mind-blowing because every single class, one person had to give their thing, yeah. their presentation huh. and it was great maybe i'll give myself that project yeah i'll see what i can find because <laughs> a lot of people don't even cover it right in right art yeah. history yeah yeah well i'm on my way because i did make a yam by accident <laughs> in the ceramic studio i was trying to make a vase and it turned into a sweet potato so so sweet it's so sweet <laughs> and it's getting ready to be glazed hopefully at this point it has been glazed mm. and it's finished <laughs> so i'm on my way to being a chef and a sculptor all in one project <laughs> They go hand in hand. Yeah. You know, I think like so. 3D. Yeah. I don't use my hands very much. I feel like that's what I Yeah. That'd be nice. I think it's fun to play with all different art supplies. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. It is fun. Yeah. On this topic, though, I definitely want to be like a rock star. I just want to like <laughs> bring myself back to yeah. the cool like side like, of things. Like, <laughs> Benatar. Like, yeah. Just Jeff. after she steps out of the Amish place. Yeah, exactly. When <laughs> I'm 17. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're a rum springer. No, yeah. Yeah. no photos. <laughs> Going on tour. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, great. I think we all answered that question wonderfully. <laughs> Thank you for being with us today, Sue. Can you let people know where to find you on Instagram, how to find Studio B, next opening, how to get more information? Yeah. I, I'm at Susan Beback or at Sue Beer Bike on Instagram, um, Facebook, obviously. And I don't do X or Twitter. <laughs> and um, But I mean, I have an account, but I don't interact with it. And then um, StudioBBB.org is the website and you can... React, interact with us right there. You, there's a play a link, and um, you can find out everything. We are really open to every kind of self promotion you can possibly imagine. Almost sickeningly, uh, we do Facebook Live events for all of our openings, or we pre-record sometimes. But it's a fun time, and I'm amazed how many paintings we sell through the Facebook Live, and also. Mm-hmm. Our other way is to go and we have a, during COVID, 
there's a musician around here named Zach DeSantis who put together this thing called, um, it was basically live people pay, uh, playing music live on Facebook and you could watch every day and different different musicians were playing. And I'm like, we have to do that for, for the gallery. So I made a virtual gallery and that is still happening on Facebook, the Studio B virtual gallery. And still every day artists post their work there and like once a month we sell something for somebody or we get a call and give and give them a direct link. So I don't really feel like we should get anything from it. They usually call themselves or whatever. But it's pretty nice for the artist to post there. And I'm surprised at its response. So we could have that here at Gogworks, really, actually. Because mm-hmm. it's self-generated through Facebook. There is some policing because occasionally you get an ad or something. But yeah, or something. <laughs> But thank you. Very cool. That is cool. Thank you, Sue. All right. Till next time. Yeah. We'll see ya. We'll see ya. Adios. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in and hanging out with us. We're so glad you could make it. Catch us next time on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, follow, and leave us a review. If you want to chat with us, email us at youmadeit at goggleworks.org or catch us on Instagram at goggleworks. This podcast is sound engineered and edited by Jay Fritzschaefer at Pagoda City Records. Music done by Soul Poppy Productions. Thank you to Goggleworks and the creative community that keeps us going. Till next time, this has been You Made It.